0: What is going on guys? Welcome back to the Wipe Up Podcast. My name is Fernandez and each and every episode it is my goal for you to level up your movements and your mindset so that you can live your fittest and most fulfilled life. And today's episode is without a doubt going to help you do that. Today's episode is one of my favorite that I've ever recorded. And that's because I learned so much from just chatting to this weapon of a woman who is my guest today, <laughs> whose name is Amy Bo. Amy is the founder of Warrior School. An online personal training and education platform that helps women build stronger bodies and better relationships with themselves through physical training. Now the reason I found this episode so enjoyable to record is because Amy has such a refreshing take on some pretty hotly contested topics including how women should be training around their cycle and what really building a strong foundation with your body actually means. She's able to really cut through the hype of The women's training, the nutrition, and the functional training space in a way that really provides you some tangible takeaways that you can go and implement into your own training practice to not only make you stronger right now, but also to be able to maintain that way of training well into your old age. And if you're a dude listening to this, there's just as much in this episode here for you as there are if you're a woman. Not only will this episode help you understand the women in your life better, but it'll also help you extract the principles that apply to all human bodies. So without further ado, guys, I'm going to let Amy dive into this one. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Please welcome Amy Bo. Sick. All right. Well, first of all, thanks for being here, Amy. This is going to be really fun.
1: Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to join you today on your podcast.
0: Yeah, sick. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to chat to you as well. I've kind of had a look over yours and yeah, it's one of the really big reasons why I wanted to have you on actually because you are the, the woman, the coach, the dietitian behind Warrior School um, and yeah, I really <laughs> like the way that you speak about the work that you do with women. And I'm really keen to dive into all of that today. But I'm also keen to kind of get to know you a little bit better as well. So, I know you're very training and business focused, but I'd love to just kick it off by like, what's something that really lights you up or you're really passionate about outside of training and work?
1: What's <laughs> um, <laughs> uh That's a cool question. I would have to say training and work are my two biggest passions in life.
0: From my research, I could tell that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it's not that I don't have interests outside of those, but... They're my two big babies, mm, and nice. that's what I love to do with my life and my time. I love to train. I love to train a lot. I love to train hard, and I love to work.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: uh, but I also love to walk my dog.
0: <laughs> there we go. I, this...
1: I love hot and cold exposure therapy. Uh cool. You know, there's other little interests that for sure we, could, we can dig into, but my work and my training are my two biggest passions in life and that's what I love to do with all of my time.
0: Yeah, sick. I feel really similarly. I mean, they're definitely the two most dominant things in my life as well. <laughs> and I was wondering if I was going to uncover some sneaky moonlighting is a different thing yeah. but no it's it's i really love that you've built your entire life around that and that is what lights you up the most because work and training for some people are definitely not things that are synonymous with joy and passion and fulfillment they're a lot more like a bit of a chore and stuff like that and so i think that's another reason why our your philosophy really jumps out to me as well is because it's it feels like you've found a way to make those really a bedrock, and enjoyable part of your life as well. And you're able to benefit from all of the beautiful things that that brings you. So yeah, that's why I'm really keen to have this conversation. I'd love to start, yeah, with your story and a little bit about your journey. First as an athlete from such a young age as it's been, and then how that kind of evolved into the work that you do now, um, becoming a coach early on and then evolving into the kind of coaching that you do now
1: yeah, so I come from a gymnastics background. I started when I was three years old, and I was born in, yeah, I was born in Canberra. Uh, and so the primary school that I went to actually had their own uh, gymnasium there, and they had quite a strong uh, gymnastics culture. And so I did it all through primary school. And then when I was eight, I believe, I went to do trials at the AIS, but that was the time around the same time my family then moved to northern New South Wales. So we actually, Mm -hmm. my mum got a job up near Byron Bay, uh, and that was the time that we moved. And so I was very good at it and I did it. For a long time at a young age but due to yeah changing environments uh they didn't have a strong gymnastics culture in a small country town in northern New South Wales uh yeah. so I do actually remember uh really feeling sad about that at at nine years old when we moved that I mm. could no longer do gymnastics at a competitive level and so I actually stopped gymnastics and started dancing. So then I danced cool. for throughout primary school and high school. Uh, my mom was a very good field hockey player. And so I have two sisters. So the four of us are females in the family. We all played field hockey and we were quite good field hockey players. So I com- I played competitive field hockey uh, all through out of high school as well. Uh, and I've been in a gym since I was about 14 years old. So yeah, for right. a, a long time I've been in a gym environment. Uh, I've been exposed to training and moving my body, training hard uh, at a competitive level. And then when I finished high school, I did my undergrad degree in exercise science and nutrition. So, I actually did uh, dance and drama all throughout high school. So, I oh, love cool. to perform. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, if, you, yeah, if you were to ask my, my parents, I was always playing dress-ups. I was always making my sisters perform. Uh, you know, I, d- I danced. <laughs> I did gymnastics. So, there was always an expression with mm. my physical body. And then I found drama in high school and I did drama throughout my entire high school years. And then I actually did it for my year 12 major. Uh, And I wanted to be a famous actress, walk on the red carpet and win an Oscar. That was like my vision. That was my dream growing up. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to perform Uh, In when I danced, we did musicals, like I love singing, I love musicals, I love performing, I loved acting. So I finished high school. And my goal was to get into a performing arts school in Australia. So I applied to performing arts schools, I did auditions, and I did get into a performing arts school. But at the same time, my sister was enduring anorexia nervosa, she she had an eating disorder for quite a few years. So going through that experience with her, uh, this is where I started to develop a fascination with our relationship to food in our body. I believe that I was always fascinated with my body and what my body could do. Not that I had the language or the terminology, you know, even when I was young or even in high school. Yeah, no, no terminology or language, but I always loved to move my body. So I knew that there was a strong, powerful relationship with my body and moving and training mm-hmm. but didn't yet have the language and then when she got sick and we were working through that experience i had finished high school so a little bit more mature and and i started to really look at this relationship that we have with our body and food especially mm-hmm. from a female's perspective And that's when I decided that I would become a dietitian and I would specialize in eating disorders. Uh, And so I went and I did my undergrad degree in exercise science and nutrition. While I was doing that, I I still trained, but not as much as I had done um, Mm. previously during high school because I studied a lot and I did really well because I knew that I wanted to get into a really good master's program and do my master's in dietetics. So while I was at university for my undergrad degree, like I ran, I still went to the gym, uh, but I, I wasn't competing in anything or pushing hard. My focus was my studies. So then I moved to Melbourne and I applied to do my master's in dietetics. And so then I I completed my master's in dietetics. And it was that time, that was 18 months, that master's, and it was full on. It was wow. very uh stressful at the same time I went through a terrible like relationship breakdown I wow. had to move a bunch of times I was doing my masters I was getting myself up at like 4 30 or 5 a.m to like train before I went and did my major clinical placement there was two years there that were extremely stressful wow. and that took a toll on my body. I would have this like intermittent, ongoing, like chronic back pain or discomfort that would come on, it would flare up and I was also running a lot at the time just because I wasn't good at it. I hadn't done a lot of running and I like to be very good at things that I do and so <laughs> I get a little obsessed with things. So I ran a lot to try and like perfect the gait and get better at it. Uh that paired with uni and a lot of other stuff going on in my life, a lot of stress, I started to present with this chronic back pain. Mm. And one day I was flat on my back on the floor and I couldn't get up. I was Mm. just stuck on the floor. And that was so hard because I was always this strong girl, this athlete, this capable yeah, this capable girl that could always do things with her body. But here I was flat on my back on the floor and I just couldn't get up. Anyway, I was coaching at a uh, corporate gym in Melbourne. So I worked in the PwC building, the PricewaterhouseCoopers building at Genesis there. That was, I was working there while I was doing my master's and there was a group of us that you know, they became my very good friends. Uh, they were all up like coaches. Anyway, one of them was actually going to CrossFit St. Kilda and she was seeing Jules, who is a who was a coach there. And one day she said to me, you should go and see Jules about your back. He specializes in pain and rehab. I think he can really help you. So I went to see Jules out of his house in St. Kilda and <laughs> I remember that first session. I was just so weak and so broken, and he gave me three movements, and I still have those three basic movements saved in my phone. It was a bodyweight hinge pattern Mm. because I completely lost all connection with my body, and I didn't trust it, and I was, like, scared to train, and I was in pain, and I was just stressed, and I was doing this master's that I didn't like because it was clinical and unsatisfying, and it was... And, and then he gave me a half hollow body. And mm-hmm. the third one was to massage or bore my psoas muscles. So there's these three basic movements. He's like, go away and do them for a week. And so I went and I did them every day as prescribed for a week. And then I saw him again. And then he gave me more movements. And we just added and layered and layered. So I went from this girl that was so broken and weak, being in pain on the floor. And it took us about a year to build a strong foundation for me to learn how to move again. And wow. that year was probably one of the hardest years of my life, but one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had. And one of the Jules is one of the most amazing coaches I've ever worked with. He is unconventional and extremely good at what he does. And he really taught me everything that I know about training, about building a strong foundation, about building a body from the ground up, like training properly. Mm. So we spent that year building that strong foundation, moving from like being in pain to pain-free, from feeling scared to feeling confident. Uh, And one day, I think it was a good 9 or 12 months into our work together, I was seeing him once a week. We were just rebuilding the body. And one session, he taught me how to snatch and I fell in love with it in that session and I just had this natural ability to be able to do it well. Uh, and it's quite common with dancers or gymnasts mm-hmm. to, to be quite good at the pattern or the movement technically. And I remember that session and that was the first time in over a year that I had felt like strong and capable and excited to move my body again. And so then I got into Olympic weightlifting and I trained a lot. I trained six days a week, four hours a a day. day day Yeah. (laughs) I trained a lot and I started to compete in Olympic weightlifting and Jules and I, we worked together for over five years Uh, and he turned me into, not him, but me, our work together, turned me into this very strong, capable female that I am today. Uh, and I, yeah, I, th- I have Olympic weightlifting and Jules, you know, I'm so grateful for those two experiences wow. because I believe I just, the two problems that I see when it comes to, you know, so many females want a successful and a sustainable training practice because they know that if they have those two things, they're going to get the results that they want. They want to feel great in their body, they want to feel strong, and they they want it to be sustainable, but they can't get it. And so when I started working with jewels. I thought, okay, this is the real problem because mm-hmm. I had done sports all my life. I had done an undergrad degree in exercise science and nutrition. I was doing a master's in dietetics, but I didn't know how to train properly. I didn't, I didn't know that I didn't have a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. And he taught me how to, how to build a strong foundation, how to build a body from, a, from the ground up. And I thought, there's so many women don't know how to train properly. And so many coaches don't know how to build a proper foundation because there's only so many jewelsers in the world, you know, there's only so many yeah. amazing teachers. This was, you know, this was like 12, 13, 14 years ago. So this was a long time ago. Now yeah. movement, movement culture and building foundations is, you know, so much more popular. Uh, but, yeah, 14 years ago it it wasn't really uh yeah. the fitness industry and there was a particular way to train uh and so i thought okay that's one real problem the second problem is that so many women don't know how to progress and modify their training they they don't have they haven't been taught that as well and that's what will stop us if we don't know how to make our training harder if we don't know how to modify it based on low energy or injury well then it's not sustainable uh and it's also not successful so those mm-hmm. were two really valuable lessons that I I learned from from Jules then And I was coaching at the time, I still continued to coach. And then I started to integrate my experience of like rehabbing myself and getting stronger into my work. Uh, I was Mm -hmm. practicing as a dietitian in private practice at that time as well, working with eating disorders. Uh, And so then I started to think, all right, I don't want to just be a dietitian. I I don't want to just work with eating disorders, but I'm fascinated with relationships, our relationship Mm. to our body, our relationship to training and our relationship to food. And so then I started to combine them. And that was like over 10 years ago where, you know, I was training with both male and females. I was coaching both. uh, And I was doing a lot of mobility and rehab work and a lot of Olympic weightlifting. I coached. Those two things. So a lot of group stuff, a lot of in gym work, uh, and then my one on one clients on the side. But for the past, I guess I've been in Canada now for six years. So I was just taking my experience and what Jules was teaching me about building a strong foundation, and then I was using that in my work. And that's what I still do today when I work with all of the women inside of Warrior School. They come in and I help them build a strong foundation. I teach them how to train properly and how Mm. to build their body from the ground up. Now, people listening are like, what do you mean by a strong foundation? (laughs) What do you mean by building your body from the ground up? A big thing that we talk about in warrior school is the slowing down. So I often, mm. all of the women that come in, I slow them right down. And so their practice becomes very slow. We go back to basic movement patterns. I demand very high quality from the movement. Uh, I want them to connect to their body, which means that the practice needs to be slower. They need to pay attention mm. to what they're doing, Uh and so it's really about coming back to basic movement patterns. You know, do you have access to, the, to that pattern? Uh, why don't you? Can you control yourself in that? Mm. And we do a lot of body weight strength work at the start because I believe you should be able to control your own body before you think about adding external things to that body. Uh, so agree. my women earn the right to make it harder or make it more complex or add load by doing a lot of body weight strength work. So that's a big part when they first come into warrior school, we slow it down, pretty much everything's body weight and we earn our movement patterns. We own the pattern. From there, we then start to play around with load or complexity of a movement. Mm. uh, And we just build it from there. And I'm teaching them how to train. And I know you do this in your work, Michael. Is the the processes and the methods and this is what I believe can be so empowering for people and for women is do you understand how to train? The processes, the methods, Absolutely. the standards, the qualities that mm-hmm. we need. Uh and so yeah, that's what I that's what I do now in Warrior School.
0: Yeah, I love this. This is this is so good. And we really align on on so many different philosophical things. But there was also like thanks for sharing that story as well. There's so much gold in there. I want to kind of dig back through as well. But just for people listening as well who might be curious a little bit more about your approach and think, okay, this solid foundation thing sounds really good. What kind of basic patterns do you believe that people should start with mastering before they start to go into adding load, adding complexity, like in stuff like weightlifting and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, so there's this really cool study actually done. It's in the nutritional space, but it was done in 2021 by Holtzman and Ackerman, and they were talking about the hierarchy of nutritional needs for female athletes. So they created this model or this pyramid and they were basically saying that you, we need all female athletes need to eat enough and they need to be hydrated. And then they went through this hierarchy. And then the last bit was this individualization mm. on this hierarchy. And I saw this uh, when it first came out. And I had always thought about this. This is the way that uh, I was taught by my coaches and my mentors. There's a hierarchy of training needs for women. You know, there is a pyramid and imagine the base of the pyramid We need to lay that down first. That's like the concrete of the house before we build the the structure on it. Otherwise, it's going to come crumbling down. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really cool way to think about your pyramid at the base of the pyramid is really safety, stability, and energy. Yeah, if we want a successful and a sustainable training practice, We need energy. We need a strong nervous system. So that is at the base. And so when the women come in, we're looking at where is their body at right now? What's going on Mm. with their energy, their metrics, their markers? What's the state of their nervous system? A lot of women I work with are in their 40s. They have been under eating, over stressed for a really long time. So they're a bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah. uh, some of them have been on a healing journey and have really been working on that for a while. And so they've got some stability, some safety in their nervous system is okay. But for a lot of women, we still need work there. And so we do that first. Where is the body at? Because that will determine where we can start with the practice. Uh, If we're really stressed and we're, you know, red lights, orange lights, where we don't have the energy, we need to slow down and we need to get some energy in. We need to look at uh, what's creating the most stress. And a lot of the work there is, um, behavior and mindset work that I do with them initially. Mm. That doesn't mean they don't start a practice. They do. But that that practice is slower. It's less, you know, less time. Uh, it's only a few times a week. It's doing things. Uh, so basic movement patterns, you asked me. Well, what's your squat like? What's your single leg strength like? What's your midline and your pelvic floor strength like? Uh, can you hang on a bar? So all of my women in warrior school, they hang. Uh, it's really important for, any other, for grip strength, if they want to lift heavy weights later in, in, in their practice, if they want to do a pull-up. Or a chin up, we need grip strength, so they hang. It's a really big part of their practice, especially when they first start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I'm looking for is, do you have access at to the range? do you understand the technique or the standards or the qualities of the movement and so many women that I've worked with have like I've been doing a hand plank wrong for 20 years <laughs> or I've been doing this wrong for so long why didn't people teach me how to do this yeah. and that's just because they've been in fitness culture you know they've yep. been in group exercise classes or they've just trying to been doing their own thing in the in the gym or you know, I I believe that a lot of coaches they don't know how to train properly. They don't truly don't know this hierarchy of training needs. Uh, not just for women, for people. Yeah. And so, a lot of the women, a lot of us have just been taught by coaches that that don't understand how to build a proper foundation. They don't understand that okay, actually, it's it takes years to build this. It takes years to get strong. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> so so many women are like, why did no one teach me how to do this? And so that's what we do. I'm I'm and I'm not saying that it's the perfect way or there's only one way. Uh I remember when we were squatting, you know, this is like 12 or 14 years ago. This was the time where CrossFit was really big and we were doing a lot of external rotation with the femur and pushing the knees out when we were squatting. And now that shows that that actually isn't a great thing to do with your squat yeah Yeah. and so you know it's there's no one right way and I think as coaches we need to be open to all different types of modalities all different ways Uh, and one thing may not work for for someone that we're working with because of their structure or you know so working with these with these women it's It's so so cool because they have never really been taught how to train properly. And so we just take everything back to let's look at squatting. Let's look at hinging. Let's look at developing your push-up. Most of the women that I work with have never done a full push-up before, have never done a chin-up before. And so it's taking those basic movement patterns and meeting them where they're at and really just giving them a process. Uh, and I've we've spoken a little bit about this before, and I think what really helps is like, okay, this is where you're at, and these are all the progressions mm-hmm. that we need to work towards to get to where you want to go. So often in the fitness space, they we talk about time. How long is it going to take? How long is it going <laughs> to take? Yeah. And the way that I like to talk about it with my women is, okay, we're not going to think about it in time. We're going to think about it in the process and the methods, the qualities and the standards and the progressions that you have to hit in order to build the certain movement. So an example I can give you, uh, and I know that you do this in your work, is like the pull-up or the chin-up. Yeah, a Mm -hmm. lot of women, they want to do a pull-up and they want to do a chin-up, but they they can't even hang on a bar. And so... (laughs) that's where we start it's like I I help them understand that in order to do that you need to be able to hang on the bar that's really important and then you need to be able to uh, move your shoulders and your shoulder blades and then we need some kind of like pulling strength and we've got to look after our shoulders and so if you break it down then they can see oh okay so I'm going to work towards three 60 second feet assisted hangs and then we want unassisted hangs and then yeah and so that is like the foundational work that we do is I just help them they have a goal they have a skill I go yep okay this is how we're going to do it and so we break it down and I give them the steps and they're all on individualized training programs Uh, and so we yeah we slowly build their foundation and I think it takes about a year I think to build a pretty strong foundation to learn how to move well, how to control the body, uh, you know, how to develop basic movement patterns. I think it it tends to take about a year.
0: Yeah, I think I think what you're really what you're talking about is really important. And I love what you're highlighting about this, the the inbuilt progressions as well. Because someone might hear that, oh, it's gonna take a year and be like, I've got to wait till a year before I can even start doing anything. And actually, I think the reverse is true. When you focus on the small incremental progressions and you get to see yourself improving in meaningful ways, you're actually able to do different things with your body. It's not just like another little weight plate. It's like, it's like, no, no, no. I'm really actually improving in the ability to move my body. You're feeling all of the actual like you're feeling your body improving the way it feels as well. You're like, oh, damn, like this little niggle that was there before is actually feeling like it's it's. I feel strong in my body. I was reaching up to grab this thing from the shelf and I'm like, damn, I feel limber. All of those little things stack up over time. And actually, when you start to look at the progressions, your timeline for improvement is so much shorter rather than, okay, well, I want to lose 20 kilos. And it's, I'm not going to be happy until I get that endpoint. It's like you get to celebrate all little wins along the way, and I think that's so empower- so powerful, and so important.
1: Yeah, I really like how you frame that. It's so true. When we have a clear plan, and we have clear progressions and qualities and standards that we want to work towards, mm. that shortens the journey, or yeah. it makes it clearer. You know, I have women that have wanted to do things with their bodies, like certain weights or certain skills. They wanted to do it for years and years and years and never got there. And it's just because there wasn't a plan. There wasn't a process and the method. And this brings up a lot of friction. So when a lot of women come to me and they come into warrior school and I slow things way down, it creates a lot of friction with them. They don't like it. The first three three to six months. It's actually really hard. And I I know how that feels. I remember when I started working with Jules, I would cry nearly every session because I was just so weak and so broken. And I thought this is going to take forever and this is hard and it sucks. And so I totally get it. When people feel frustrated and overwhelmed and there's a lot of friction that comes up when you slow your practice down and you start to build a strong foundation, I get it. But if you can have someone to lead you through that. And you, you make it through that three, six months, then the friction starts to dissipate and you realize, okay, this is, I get it now. I get what the slowness is about. I get why you're making me do this like long line, lunge, split squat, super (laughs) slow. And, you know, going into the range because Mm. for me, it's not just about getting strong. It's about, being mobile and flexible, and having control over your own body. And actually, one of my women sent me a really funny meme the other day. It was the, a muscle, and then the tendon and the ligament, and they were they were standing on the opposite side of the muscle. The muscle was like, "Come on, guys, I want to go," and the tendon and uh, the ligaments are like, "Hell no, we're not ready yet." And it was so funny because that
0: that comes back a lot yeah. of the
1: time. Yeah, 100%. Like sometimes. We just want to go. Yeah, we want to push Story of and my our life. muscles go through it. <laughs> but like our tendons and our ligaments aren't ready yet. So all of these women have these goals to like do pull-ups and push-ups. Yet their tendons and their ligaments have never been trained before. They're not ready. And that takes takes years to develop the tendon and the ligament strength to do yeah. that. Now, I'm not saying that they they don't get progress along the way like you said, Michael. They totally do, but it's just understanding that it takes a really long time and sometimes you know I'll say to them okay now don't be disrespectful because you want this to take like this you want this to be quicker because I've had to work my butt off for 14 years (laughs) to get to where I am and so what you see me doing is 14 years of work what you see all of these women doing that you're looking up to that I think it's amazing that they inspire you, but it's often a decade at least of work. And so that's a really hard thing for someone, I think, when they have been training for a long time, but they're not getting the results that they want, or they keep getting injured, or they're not managing their stress properly. And then they land at this place where they're like, you know, we tell them, okay, we're going to have to, let's go, we're going to start now to build the foundation. And they're just like, no, I'm tired. I've been doing this for so long. And you're like, it's going to take at least, you know, a year for us to lay a good foundation. And then we get to like, let's go. And then years and years after that. uh, But you got to love it. This is the thing. It's yep. You, if you, and it depends on your expectations and your goals. And I say this to my women all the time. What do you want? Like, what's the vision for your training? What's the vision for your life? Like, what do you want to be able to do? Because we can get you there, but is that what you really want in your reality? Because I've trained for, you know, 14 years, a solid training practice, hours a day you know, periods of time twice a day for a really long time. Now, if that's not what you want for your life, that's totally cool. Not saying that you won't be able to get, get strong or feel better in your body, but we really need to check those expectations and those goals because it takes a lot of work and a long time to get really, really strong and to do all of these amazing things with your body. Uh, and is that is that your vision? Is that you what you want to do? And if it is, great. That let's let's go and do that. But if it's you know if you just wanna if you just want to train to like feel a bit better and to look a bit better, okay, and that's totally cool. We can do that. But I think you have to love it. And a big part of my work is helping women fall in love with training. Fall in love with the practice, Uh, because that I believe is how you will get the results that you want. That's how you get that Mm -hmm. sustainable and successful training practice is you got to love it.
0: Yes. You take the words right out of my mouth. This is something I talk about all the time, falling in love with not only your physical practice, but also in love with your body and the things that it can do and all of that journey as well. And so, yeah, I think it's really awesome what you're talking about. And I want to dive a little bit more into some of the other things. You know, I think you've done a really good job of painting the picture of what people need to start by doing with their training, with their physical body. But there's so many other aspects that you, you know, holistic is a loaded term, but there's so many other aspects that you involve in your approach as well. And one of them is helping women understand their cycle. Now, mm. there's a lot of different kind of coaches and this is like a space that's really, really blowing up. Uh, and I think what comes with that is a lot of sometimes conflicting information and a lot of noise as well. So, I really, you know, you've been in this space for such a long time. You've got your background in dietetics as well. I'd love to dig into this a little bit with you. But just starting with taking a step back, and if I was a woman that kind of heard about training around my cycle, and I was like, ah, oh, it sounds a little bit like it's too much work, or it's, it's, I just want to train, I just want to do it. And in a in way, of my program, like, how would you sell me? learning more about the cycle and what, what, what what benefits would I kind of get from learning more about my cycle and training around that?
1: Mm, great question. Uh, yeah. It's been interesting to watch this space uh, develop uh, over the last <laughs> six years. Yeah. I started to talk about it. I started to learn about it when I was competing in Olympic weightlifting. And I wondered why some days felt harder than the others. And mm. I just started to get interested in the physiology and the hormones. And we aren't taught this stuff in school. We're not taught much about our hormones and our menstrual cycle, you know, and I've done two degrees and we didn't talk about it very much. So uh, while I was injured one time, I just started to do some research around the cycle, the physiology, what was actually just going on. I had always had a cycle. My cycle has always arrived regularly on time. Most mostly without symptoms. I've never been on um, any hormonal birth control before. And so I just started to get curious. Mm. And when I, um, I would just start by writing the day of the cycle in my training diary. And then I would just see if patterns came up around maybe what day I was on, how my training went, how I felt. Uh, and this was the time when I just started to, I've been keeping a training diary f- since I started with Jules. So, you know, a very long time ago. And then I started to track my cycle about seven or eight years ago now, and writing that in the same training diary. And then the work, you know, by Dr. Stacey Sims and Lara Bryden, and there's some leaders in this space that are doing some really cool work. But then it reached uh, social media, and then it became a micro trend, which loves to happen. Uh, And now there like you said michael there's a lot of conflicting stuff around it and a lot of misinformation so the thing that i will say is that how you fuel and recover has a bigger impact on your training and your health than your menstrual cycle mm. So how well you fuel your body, so bringing in this nutrition piece, this energy piece, because the whole goal out of everything in life is energy, yeah? If we don't have enough energy, the right type of energy for us, uh, a strong nutrition nutrition strategy for us, none of it matters. We can't do anything mm. well without energy and proper energy. So how well you feel yourself and how well you're recovering. So how good your training program is, how good all of how good are you at managing all your stress in your life? So all of the other relationships. I like to view everything in life as a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a relationship with it. So what is their relationship like with your environment, uh, your partner, your work, your food, your training, your recovery, your sleep? All of these other relationships will determine how well you actually recover from your training. Those two things, the food and the recovery, has a bigger impact on what day you are in your cycle on your training. Right. Uh, and I think that's... That's my, would be my really key message about it. There's a lot of stuff out there around only do this in this part of the cycle or only do this in this part of the cycle. And you can do whatever in any part of the cycle if you are fueled well and you are training properly and you're recovering well. So I've had some of my best training days on the last few days of my cycle and day one of my cycle when we're meant to not tolerate Mm. training as well. And I've had some of the hardest, shittiest days on, you know, day 14 of my cycle when some of the research and some people say that you are meant to be at your peak and your best. Uh, And so what determines that? Yeah, it's not just the day of the cycle. What determines that is, did I eat enough the day before? How was my sleep? How's my stress? How's my recovery? Where am I in my training? You know, have been? Have I been training so hard for like five or six weeks that my body is tired? And, yes, it might happen, you know, that I'm on day 26 of my cycle, but I can't just say, yeah, on day 26 of my cycle I can't train hard because that might not be a true pattern. Mm. Now, if we track our cycle – And so coming back to, I believe every woman should know her cycle because she should know her body. (laughs) Mm. Uh, So we need to understand our bodies better as women, because when we, I was having a conversation the other day with uh, one of my women. And so a lot of the women that I work with, they're consumers. They love to consume information, a lot of information about health and training and nutrition but then they get really overwhelmed because there's all of these things that we're told what to do. An example I gave her was like, yeah, there's all of these like guru people out there telling you to do this certain morning routine. And I'm like, I'm anti morning routines. I actually don't like morning routines. Yeah. I just get up and I just want to have coffee and a snack and walk my dog. Yeah, I don't want to sit there and do this and this and this and have this and drink this. And I, I can say that and I can feel confident in my approach because I've developed that over the, over a decade of tracking and understanding my body. So when some, when I hear something, I'm not close to information. I think it's really, I'm curious to being like, oh, what is that piece of information? Like, what is that research or what is that approach or strategy? But I know what works for me because I've done it for so long, and it works for me because mm-hmm, I because mm-hmm. all of my markers are really good. and and so I was saying to her, you you need to pause and you need to ask yourself, well, like what is true for me? like what do, mm. what do I truly want to do? And this is the same with the cycle. It's well, what is true for you? If you're seeing someone say, hey, only do yoga and stretching on the last week of your cycle. Like, is that true for you? Or actually, can you train and can you train hard? The only way you're going to know that is if you are tracking. Now, I don't mean, hey, get out, you know, your tracking app and just track all your calories. Not saying that that's not helpful. It's a great tool. I just mean get a training journal. Mm. write what day you are on in your cycle, write how much sleep that you had, write how you feel, your energy, like look at some of your markers and then also write your training down and just see if you can find patterns, patterns Mm. in terms of what day you were on, how much you slept, how you felt, what training you did. And it's only those patterns over time that are going to give you the data that are going to reveal the secrets of your body And then you know how to develop a strategy that's true to you. So when you hear something from someone, you're not going to be pulled to do that because you're like, well, no, actually I know that this works for me because I have the data here. And so we can like hold strong, I guess, and be confident. And this is what I want a lot of women to be. I want them to be confident to walk into a gym. I want them to be confident in all of their relationships that they have with everything in their life to really hold that posture of like, yeah. Like I got this and I know this is true for me because I've done the work. You know, I've spent the years Mm. listening to my body, finding patterns, finding what's true to me. And so then they won't be shaken by the culture because the culture is always going to be here. We're always going to go through micro trends, macro trends, whatever. (laughs) But what's true for you? Uh, And that's the same with the cycle. It's um, track your cycle. You know, all we should have a regular cycle. It should arrive on time and it should arrive mostly without symptoms. And even that blows a lot of women's minds because they weren't taught that. And a lot of women actually don't have regular cycles. They don't arrive on time and they give them a lot of trouble. But what what is that? It's an energy stress problem. <laughs> mm. It always comes back to it's an energy problem. So we need to look at your nutrition and it's a stress problem. There's something going on with your nervous system, your metabolism, there's a lot of stress and so therefore the cycle's impacted. Um, Then you can enter the whole conversation of like the performance space. So they're using it a lot for female athletes and their performance. And yes, there are some things that happen in different parts of our cycle that our physiology changes a little bit, okay? So totally, and that could impact maybe our training, but it doesn't really impact our performance. And Dr. Stacey Sims talks about this quite a lot. When it comes to the cycle, we can look at it with our training because we're doing our training all of the time. And so we can see if we can find some patterns. But when it comes to performance, performance is really just like one day, one time, one event. And if we've done everything right, proper training, proper recovery, proper fueling, it's not going to impact us on that that one day, that one performance. Um, it's more so looking at it from a training perspective. And so there's a little bit around like, you know, our core body temperature is a little higher in the second phase of our cycle. So potentially our time to fatigue is a little quicker, but we can... We can take all of these things that the physiology, you know, shows us or changes which potentially could make it harder and we can just throw strategies at it basically mm. that, can, that can support us. Uh, so then we can still show up and we can still train. We can still train hard. We can still perform. And I think it's just being aware of, Hey, okay. So this is what the physiology is doing in the second phase of the cycle. Now what's a strategy to counteract that or support that? It's not like, okay, this is what the physiology is doing. Don't do anything because (laughs) it's going to be harder. It's more, it's all strategy. It's all. Yeah. So
0: this is this is awesome, and I'm I'm. If you're not watching the video, like, I'm just scribbling madly here because there's so many different points in here that I want to come back to. And first of all, I just I really thank you for highlighting that, understanding that point so hard of it. The cycle stuff falls within the context of your nutrition and your recovery and a proper training program. Because so often when I hear people broach these conversations, it's straight into, okay, phase one is this. Phase two, you want to go a little bit less endurance, but a little bit more on this day, and you want to peak to this. And it's like it's this iron rule that is going to govern everything that you have to do. And imagine if I was competing, or if I was a woman, if I was competing on an unfortunate day of my cycle, that's going to play on your psyche so much. So I love that you've come back and just underlined, it's like this falls within the context. Yes, it does have an effect. Yes, we do want to get to know it. But at the same time, it's not the kind of overbearing, you know, another thing to stress about, another thing to have (laughs) to track and have to like, oh shit, what do I need to do now? And I love that you're bringing it back to the relationships as well. Because if we were to go on a tangent and talk about, okay, what things should we be eating? What things should we be training? You know, what movements does everybody have to be doing? What, How much sauna does everyone have to be doing? You're always focusing on on the routines or the what whereas when you're focusing on the relationships you're able to you're able to build those answers for yourself and i really wanted to un- underline that as well because this is the whole teaching a man or a woman how to fish as opposed to just giving them the fish and there's always going to be highly 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 individualized things not only in terms of preferences but also physiology so the most important thing is just to fucking start and to continue learning not only from outside sources of information but also from yourself And that's why I wanted to bring it back and ask you a question about the training diary as well. What do Mm. you believe of them? Because that's such a beautiful tool for people to, all my clients keep a training diary as well. Mm. And it's such a great tool for data and understanding about how to form those answers for yourself. Because in the beginning, it's not easy to know what is true for me. Fuck, I have no idea. So that's where this training diary really comes in. So what data do you recommend that people track in a training diary to start to inform these questions and these answers they can get from themselves?
1: Yeah. um, That's such a cool question. Uh, And it's, you know, I I really want to highlight that it is hard. If we've been disconnected from our body for so long or we've been told what to do yeah. by the culture, I get it. It is hard. We actually a lot of women that I work with, they have no idea.
0: Yeah. I didn't.
1: What, what there, yeah, like yeah. what's going on in their body and what their body's telling them and what their body needs and so the the diary or the tracking is really an awareness tool and it mm. ch- just can literally start by write down your training sessions one for me it's like i i use an app and they have an app and they have their own program and everything but I've never used an app for my training. It's all old school. Mm. It was all written in diaries or it's just like, even my coach now will send it to me in an email, you know, no videos attached, (laughs) nothing. And like, because I've been doing it for so long, I can decipher it and I, you know, I know, but for my women and for my business, it's, it's much easier for the, for the app and the experience. And they love that, but The app comes with the phone and the phone comes with distraction. Yeah. And so I encourage them to get a diary. Yes, use the app if they need to reference the video or certain things, but I I want them to write their training in the diary. And along that, I want them to write, like, what did they notice? What did you Mm. notice today in training? What did you notice in that set or in that movement. What did your body tell you today? And we're so quick to just get in and get it done and go hard and go fast and get out of the body. So a lot of women that I work with have done things to get them out of their body. Yeah. Oh no, I love I doing to that because off. like I don't uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I switch off or I don't want I want to get out of my head. It's really it like it de stresses me. And this is why. The way that I do it creates so much friction with women is because I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Here we go. We are coming into the body, yeah, and this is why I deliberately slow down the practice. This is why I deliberately don't put them in gyms if I don't need to. I prefer them Mm. to train at home. This is why we do body weight strength training. Is it a slower way? Hell, yes, it is. I'm notoriously known for the long way home. I could get quicker results if I put them in a gym, put them on machines, and we could do, yeah, for sure. But that's not my way. That's not my approach because I'm teaching them about their body. You ain't Mm going to learn very much going straight into a gym and just jumping on a bunch of machines. You're going to learn so much more being in your home, having to slow down, having to keep a training diary. So write down your training. What did you notice? Where Did you feel something in your body while you were doing that? So all of my women in their notes, left knee during this, like this is what I noticed. So they write the big note takers and this is a connection to their body. They are actually paying attention, although uh, they will track their cycle. So the day of their cycle, um, some of them, if we're looking at their energy, they'll be doing a little bit of, they'll write down what they eat. Yeah. And whether that's it, we do actually like objective tracking or more subjective tracking. So for me, this diary stuff and the tracking stuff, there's a subjective side to it and an objective mm. side to it. So this subjective side is how do I feel? What do I notice? What are my markers telling me? Like my sleep, my energy, my appetite, my cycle, like, We're just subjectively writing that down in a journal. Uh, Now, I like to start with that. Again, we could go straight to the objective and I could know straight away exactly how much you're eating, straight away, you know, this, this, and this. But so many women have followed plans and diets and ways for so long that I like to do the complete opposite of Mm. like, how about we just subjectively start to pay attention and, and then we'll start to build the strategy. Now, you know, months in, we might go to the objective data, yeah? We might do some actual food tracking and, you know, we – but we're so disconnected that we need to start by slowing down. We need to pay attention in our training practice, even in our day. Like, yes. <laughs> how are you feeling? How is your energy do you have an appetite when you wake up? Do you poo at least once a day? What's your cycle doing? We could use temp and pulse. That can be helpful. As I do a little bit of temp and pulse work with women, um, that just kind of gives us an indicator uh, around ovulation and their cycle, but also recovery. Mm-hmm. But I still write all of my all of my stuff is in a notebook. All my yeah. training is in a notebook and I'm writing what I'm doing. I'm writing what I've noticed for that session. So if there's like a a discomfort or a niggle or something felt hard or just anything that you notice, write it down, write it down mm. in your notebook, write down how much sleep you got the day of your cycle, and then you're going to have. I can't even I can't even count how many notebooks I have like so many <laughs> like that's data that's data yeah. for you like then you can look back and you can start to see patterns and this is how we we bridge this disconnection no mm-hmm. one else can do it for you yep. I can give you a training program for sure but I'm not in your body yeah and it's not my job to track and 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 do all of this for you that's your job that's your mm. responsibility is to start to pay attention to your body what is what's it what is it telling you and then once we have that we can then build stronger strategies. We can then modify the practice or modify the nutrition. If we don't have any data or you're not even aware of what's going on, it makes it really hard for us to create a strategy.
0: Absolutely. And it's based on, I love you talking about the subjective and the objective, because sometimes subject, the word subjective can be used as kind of a dismissal like oh that's just subjective though yeah. but the subjective is just as important if not even more like when it comes to the human experience of life like the subjective <laughs> is like well my numbers are really good but I fucking hate my training and I feel like shit but look at these you know look at this snaps though it's like well it, what what are you prioritizing and i think that moving in a direction of more healthy relationship with the body uh the subjective data to track that as well and to and to have that as equal weight um or at least important in different ways to your objective data as well. I think that's super powerful. And I, I love that you gave some specifics for people to take away as well. And there's so many more questions I want to ask you, so I want to keep moving. But okay, let's, where let's go. Th- there was a, um, what you were touching on before about your the regular cycle and how it should be arriving on, a, on the same day, um, mostly without symptoms. I think that's a really, really powerful goal for people to strive for as well. But I also know from many conversations with friends as well, that's far from a, you know, a foregone conclusion. So when it comes to eating to support your cycle, what are some of the most powerful principles or if it is specifics, you can give specifics, but how can somebody start to think about eating to move themselves towards a more regular cycle?
1: Yeah. Great question. So the cycle is one metric. So we have what we would call like, metrics or biofeedback is the, mm. the way that we talk about it basically you know when we think about a lot of women will we'll talk about what is health yeah because health obviously that person looks healthy because they're skinny yeah let's just say for from a female's yeah. perspective sure. or you know that person looks unhealthy because potentially they're above their healthy body weight but to us for us to understand true health we've got to look at markers um, mm-hmm. biofeedback the cycle is one marker one piece of biofeedback i've mentioned a few others we can do temp and pulse work um our bowels our appetite our sex drive our energy mm. uh, all of those things are biofeedback they're telling us how healthy and and well functioning the body is now if we've got a lot of red crosses against that biofeedback that's telling us that there's something going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and mostly for most women, it's an energy problem. It's low energy availability. They are literally not eating enough food to support their body. So a lot of the research uh, and a lot of the women that I've worked with, it's pretty much low energy so not enough coming in for what they're doing. Do that long enough and then you create a little bit of like a metric marker shitstorm. And then you we create hormonal imbalances, you know, mm. high cortisol, thyroid issues. So then it becomes a little bit more deep. Uh, and so a lot of women have thyroid, adrenal, um, a lot of hormonal problems. So, but it's come from years and years and years of under eating or dieting restriction, mm. uh, and stress like high stress, either overtraining or overdoing life. <laughs> or, you know, it can be environment, it can be relationships, it can be trauma, you know, it can be anything that's yeah. creating a lot of stress, chronic stress. Yeah. So then if you're having issues with your cycle, no, it's just a marker. And so if, Are you have you got all red crosses? If you have, okay, that's like a bit of a red flag, like a big red flag. We've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. The system's telling us that it's really stressed. We need to we need to attend to it. The first thing that we do is okay, what's creating most most of the stress? If it is a food issue, okay, well, then we now to we need to look at your food strategy. So are you eating enough? Are you eating Mm. enough? Are you eating? (laughs) Are you eating? um, are you eating frequently? Are you balancing your meals? Uh, you know, what's the ratio of protein, carbs, and fats there? So there's some basic principles that we can work on, but the big one is, are we actually getting enough food in? Uh, A lot Mm. of us, a lot of females, even not even females, a lot of us live in a low energy availability state. We're just not eating enough food. So that would be the first thing that I would look at. Uh, is how can we get more energy in? Uh, One of the biggest leaks is not eating enough food. And so we Mm. start to create a food strategy. Mostly that's eating a little bit more across the day, eating a bit more frequently, balancing our meals better. Uh, And from there, then we'd go deeper into that. But that would be three basic things that you would look at of, am I eating enough? Now people are like, well, how do I know what's enough? So we would ha- you'd have to work out like how much do you actually need to yeah. eat, uh, you know, and this is not an exact figure, but most women need to eat at least 2000 calories a day. Yeah, at least. And a lot of women aren't getting anywhere near that because then we've got life and training on top of this. So a lot of our energy expenditure is like, you know, mid-2000s. And then if we're eating so low, we're in what's called a low energy availability state. And we're in that too long. It just creates a lot of stress on the physiology. And then we start to get cycle problems because we don't need our cycle. The only, we, we need it to get pregnant. That is what it is designed for, is to have a baby. Now, if the brain goes... I don't have the resources for this. Like we are not going to make a baby because we are low on resources and we need to keep like the brain alive, the, the heart alive. Yeah. Uh, so the brain sends a signal to the ovaries and it turns down the hormones. So it turns down a pulse system and then basically we don't ovulate. And so no ovulation, no making babies, yeah? If it gets so bad and we're stressed for a really long time, no cycle at all, Mm. and so it completely will turn it off and we don't get a cycle. If a lot of women are experiencing painful cycles, a lot of PMS symptoms, it's just stress. It's the body saying, I am stressed. (laughs) Mm. And whether that's overstimulation, overconsumption of coffee or alcohol or food that's not supporting you or or overexercising, you got to – this is why you have to – truly be honest with yourself. I think a lot of the time, a lot of women know, like, be honest. Like, what do you think it is? Is it drinking wine every night? You know, is it not eating at all? Is it overtraining? Uh, What is it that you think that's creating the most stress in your body? And then we need to, we need to slowly work on that. But we also need to work, like you said, on the relationship to that, the the mm-hmm. beliefs and the, mar- the mindset work behind that. But yeah, I think for a lot of women, it should arrive pretty regularly. Now, of course, there can be a little variation. Yeah, some days I'm like some months I'm smack on 28 days. Other months it might be more 30, but I don't vary very far from it's never less than 28 and it's never more than like 31 or 32. Like there's a Mm. pretty tight range that you'll find for yourself. And then it's meant to be regular. So she's got to arrive every month. She's meant to come every month. Uh, And then mostly without symptoms. We're actually not meant to experience a lot of symptoms. And that is a sign that the nervous system or the metabolism is stressed if you're experiencing Mm. a lot of PMS symptoms. Uh, so we need to. That's where we would start.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. I'm learning so much just alongside everything else, and I want to. I want to come back and highlight as well that what was coming up for me when you were speaking is that there's a real problem. Yeah, I like how you're talking about the crosses, and lining up a lot of different metrics and a lot of different points of data because whenever we try and look at the body and we try and pull just one lever, like I have this problem and let me just try and pull this lever and that should be fixed. There's such an interdependence that can't be ignored. And when we try to ignore it often just shit doesn't really work and we just get frustrated. So when we're kind of coming from the source like this, you're like, okay, lining everything up and be like, okay, what do you think it is? You know what I mean? And then starting to eat to support this. But another thing when it comes to more energy, especially when, you know, women are looking at things like weight loss and wanting to do that kind of thing, often I can imagine it would create a little bit of stress and like, oh, do I have to eat even more or something like that? You know what I mean? So how do you manage that relationship between increasing kind of like, or trying to get out of that low energy availability states while still moving towards their kind of body goals?
1: Yeah, I think there's two things that come up, Michael, for me around that. So some women actually, actually will eat too much. <laughs> okay, so mm-hmm. this is like, so there's two things that I see happening. You know, there's a lot of people say, yes, you need to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. But some women I know have been in a calorie deficit for so long that they've created such a hormonal shitstorm that they actually just can't. They have got a lot of thyroid problems, a lot of hormonal problems. And so they are in a deficit and they actually aren't eating enough food. So Mm. we need to bring them up and we need to rebalance and support their thyroid. And then so there's that side of it. But then there is women that aren't eating enough food balanced consistently but are over consuming things like alcohol or a binge Mm -hmm. eating and so yes their consumption is sometimes extremely high especially if they're not actually doing a lot of training maybe they're in a period of their life where they're in pain or they're tired or something's going on and they're not training at all but they are drinking wine every night and they are binge eating so those women are probably overconsuming mm-hmm. on calories and so they also probably have some hormonal stuff going on but yes there is an overconsumption problem so there's two sides of it i think nice. and for the, for that side we're looking at well why are you like why are you using alcohol in that way like how can we regulate your food and and um, create a stronger nutrition strategy, so you're not going through cycles of binge eating or overeating or over-consuming alcohol. So we would look at that, and potentially they actually might need to actually bring down their energy intake. Mm. But we're we're looking at, well, what are you actually eating? Is it supporting the body? Is it supporting you hormonally, physiologically, or are you getting most of your intake from foods that aren't supporting? you so there's that side of it and then there's the other end. I work with the the other side a lot more of actually women in that true low energy availability state mm. uh, with true like hormonal problems that aren't actually eating enough food uh yeah to support them. Um so I see yeah I see I see both sides too. Yeah, mostly the the um the other one so what was your original question
0: no I think that answer that answers the original question very well because (laughs) I was I was just saying I think that for some people it could create more fear around well I want to reclaim my cycle I want to get better and train more but does that mean I have to eat more like I I you'd have a lot of experience working even with in the eating disorder realm that the idea of more food can sometimes create anxiety and so,
1: absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, so, yeah, it's what, where are you, you know, and yeah, this is absolutely. coming back true to you and your patterns and your behaviors. Uh, and I just tend to see the, yeah, the, the, the first one. Um, A little bit more, where it's actually a true low energy availability problem. Then there's a whole strategy to that, Michael. So it's like slowly building it up over time. We don't take a woman who's like really under eating and then whack her up really high because that's really stressful on the body. And so it's just a slow build over time uh, for her. And then on the other side of it, you know, I've worked with a lot of women that you know do use alcohol a lot and so we have to mm. work longer time frame on really looking at why like why are they doing that um and so yeah looking at the binge eating or the overeating or the the, cons- the consuming of the alcohol um yeah. to, to regulate their their intake a little bit more yeah
0: absolutely and this is why we've gone back to the interdependence thing we were talking about is that I really do believe that the only way, once you start kind of scratching the surface a little bit of your fitness journey, there's just an absolute ocean underneath of it that is so interdependent on everything from our psyche to our relationship with ourselves. So I think that the only, not the only way, but the best way to ensure that your fitness journey is not just going to take you into more suffering and more stress is to come at things from a more quote-unquote holistic perspective and also work on yourself, quote unquote, or start to try and improve your relationship with yourself and your body. Because so often that these things, these beliefs that we hold about ourselves and our bodies and who we are, they play out in so many different places. And the manifestations in the body, whether it's in the cycle, whether it's in alcohol consumption, and this applies for men and women, they they're just like the symptoms presenting on the surface. And underneath is all of that, the self-belief, the, the, the self-love or the lack thereof and I think that the body is just a, a beautiful gateway in which through which we can start to explore these different parts of ourself and these different mm. aspects of our character that often if we've been staying up in our head or being just going super, super fast all the time, we've been ignoring all of like the kind of the rest of the iceberg that's underneath that. So yeah, I think that there's so many things that we've had in here that have been that people can really go and take and run with. And that's what I'm really, really happy about as well. I want this to be practical and takeaways. And like, if you're a dude listening to this as well, save the cycle stuff, like this stuff all applies to men. I'm sitting there and I'm nodding my head vigorously because these things are so, so, so important to understand your relationship with your own body, to get subjective data on your own training and how you feel about what you're doing, not to get tied up in the, three-hour morning routine like I personally did for fucking years. Yeah. But but to, to, to find your own answers about what is true for me and what is working for me and what do I want to do, I think that, yes. yeah, these are some awesome through lines that you've kind of been touching on.
1: Yeah. Um, I think training is the – it's my favorite gateway yeah, into all of too. the other relationships. Me like too. I just think it is – you know, we all need to train – You know, and I, I say this to my women, no, you actually, even if you don't want to, you need to do it. You have to, like, you have to train, like it is essential for your health and You have to do it. Now, of course, we look at developing it into a relationship that's a long term committed relationship that we love, but Mm -hmm. we have to do it. And we've just got it backwards. You know, we like, yes, we have to work and we have to do this and we have to do that and we have to. No, you have to train. Yeah. It is essential for you to be a healthy, functioning, amazing human. Yeah. And it is also one of the best gateways that will help you look at all of your other relationships in your life and it will help you make all of those other relationships powerful. If you feel better in your body, in yourself, if you can stick to something, you're consistent, you feel more confident, it changes the posture and how you show up in every other area of your life. And I just, that's what I want people to like experience is like, and this is why I'm so grateful. I spent All of my 20s, just training so hard. And like I didn't grow a a big, amazing business and I didn't earn a lot of money, but I trained. I trained my butt off and I learned so much about training and movement and I built a strong foundation. Now, we're working with a lot of people who didn't do that, who worked their butt off at school, who have worked their butt off in their career. And then they get to this stage in their life, and then they need to then they look at the training piece. And I think we've got it backwards. I think we need to spend our early adolescence and our twenties training our (laughs) training our butts off. So we all have these amazing strong foundations. We know our body, we got our strategies, we have energy. And then I'm like, okay, now go and do life. Now go and like create a family or create a business or create a career it's that it's just it's backwards uh and i <laughs> i think that what if we could change that for our younger people what if we could truly say no actually the most important relationship you'll ever have is with yourself and your body so you need to train <laughs> or not just like train you need to move yeah yes. you need to go and yes. explore different you know the movement part the physical expression is the most important part because Mm -hmm. that I believe will help you in every other relationship of your life so
0: yeah I like to think about it like you were the only person you can't break up with you know what I mean Like you can change relationships you can change banks you can change careers but you can't break up with yourself you're gonna be you forever so yeah. as much as we can change and evolve, you know what I mean? The relationship with ourselves that one constant is just mm-hmm. so important to go super fucking deep with. Yeah. And the last question I wanted to kind of ask you as well is looking forwards a little bit. You know, I have conversations with my mom, for example, you know what I mean? And, and so many different people that express how hard it feels like it gets as you age, as you get older. Mm-hmm. I know you work with women yeah. in their 40s and it's – you know, I've read studies as well about how no, your metabolism doesn't actually slow that much until 60 and then it's only like 2% and all this different kind of stuff. So there's, there seems to be this literature that's like, oh, it shouldn't get that much harder. But the experience, the subjective experience is that it does. So I wanted to ask to kind of close up, like what's your take on how we should be thinking about our bodies as we age? Is it just inevitable that it's going to get so much harder and everything is so much harder or are there different ways in which we can think about it? Are there different things that we can do as we start to age in order to maintain this healthy relationship with our body and continue to do shit with our body that we're like, that's dope?
1: Mm, that's such a great question, Michael. Uh, I, my two good friends, Josh and Jeannie, who are the Real Food Gangsters, so they're leaders in the metabolic space, they have this um this idea or this concept, and it's about – um debt and withdrawing money and so then we're in debt so the longer we're in debt in our lives and a lot of us have been in debt for a really long time like we haven't built a strong foundation we haven't been nourishing and moving our body and so we're in a lot of debt now Mm. to pay back that debt it takes a long time and it feels really hard and feels really overwhelming and so i love their analogy and that's right. like what that's what a lot of women feel like that's what your mom feels like if she's been in debt for a long time it's hard it's it's hard it's overwhelming and it's scary to start and it feels really hard now what helps that a clear plan helps that. (laughs) Someone to lead you helps that. Imagine you actually being in loads and loads and loads of debt and having no idea actually how to get out of it. Having an accountant there that can lead you through it, create a plan for you, that's going to be helpful. And it's the same with the training stuff. Uh, All the women that I work with, And I don't lie to them. It's going to be hard. Yeah, Mm. it is totally going to be hard. If you are low on energy, you haven't trained for a really long time, it's going to be hard. Uh, And so to think about it like that, I find is really helpful having a plan a clear plan that meets you where you're at right now and this is why getting really clear on where is your body at right now where are your markers at right now what do we need to do right now Uh, and then having someone lead you through that you know and this is why I'm I'm a massive fan of coaches and teachers and mentors I've had them all of my life I've had teachers and coaches and mentors. But I will have them forever. You know, yeah. I have it in my training, I have it in my business, uh, because I I believe in coaches uh, yeah. and and we need help being led in certain relationships in our life. Uh, and that is that that's what will help you if you're stuck and you feel overwhelmed and you're not sure where to start and it feels really hard. Have someone lead you through that who has led many other people through that who has been through that themselves, yeah. because it will be so much, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say easy. It's not going to be easy, but it will, it will feel so much better, I guess, if you're, if you're led through it.
0: Absolutely. And as someone that was, I don't actually know why I did this. Maybe it was just arrogance, but I like resisted the idea of like coaches for ages. Cause I was like, no, 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 I should be able to do this myself. And, that was literally what led to me like literally getting nowhere for like nine yeah. years straight of my training life. Just I was just spinning my wheels. I was just getting absolutely nowhere. I wanted to build big muscles. And I was just looking like at a train in the gym. And it wasn't until I actually hired yeah. my first coach that, that really started changing. So I, I couldn't oh, cool. agree more. Um, and it's been similar with me in business as well. Like I definitely went the other way where I was like, I trained a lot all through my 20s and I've developed that relationship with my body. But when I started my business, I was like, I was like the new guy in the gym. I'm like, oh, what the fuck do I do? And so that's when yeah. I hired, and we share our business coach, John Marsh. And so that's where, yeah, when I hired him, and it's exactly the same thing, just being early on in your journey, feeling directionless, I'll speak for myself, not knowing what I should be focusing on. And I could spin my wheels and try and do it myself, or I could get someone who's walked that path and helped others walk the path before, guide me in that right direction. And it's just like saving yourself a little bit of mental anguish. So I really, really echo your sentiments of, the importance of coaches and mentors, um, in yeah, just yeah, so many areas of life.
1: Well, because the information is out there, all the information is out there. So you have to think, well, why aren't I doing it? Yeah, yeah? it's not a lot. La- it's not an information problem. It no. ain't an information problem. It is actually taking that information and creating a clear strategy that. Works for you. And that's the problem. This is why so many women can't, they can, or even just people, they don't have a successful, sustainable training practice because that's not their craft. That's not what they do. They can't take that information and they don't have the knowledge, the experience, and the understanding to make that into a plan. And this is why you work with a coach. This is why we work with our business coaches because. All the information is out there, but that's not our craft. Yeah, that's not where we specialize. And so, we want someone there that can lead us through that and create a plan and a strategy for us and our business. It's the same with training. And this is why I believe everyone needs a coach. And imagine the world if everyone had a coach. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine humanity if we yeah. all had coaches and we were all being led powerfully in these relationships in our life. I just, it blows my mind to think yes. about what the world could be like. 100%. And so, if you're listening to this and you like, are, you're like, have been training for a while or you've been doing, you know, maybe your business for a while, but you're not really like getting anywhere, or you feel really frustrated, just invest in a damn coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an investment. And yeah. I promise you, you know, finding obviously the right one that works for you, but it just like it will blow your mind and you will get far better results because you, you honestly just work harder. You push yourself harder when you have a coach. Um, And I used to be really against the accountability thing. I thought, no, that's not my job to like hold you accountable. And I used to be (laughs) like, really? But I think it's like, it's leadership, you know, it's the the constant, the constant dynamic adjustment that you help them with. And so, I don't view it as accountability. Like, I'm not saying, hey, did you like do your this? But it's like, okay, it's just the leadership. And And if something comes up in your training practice, I just help them adjust dynamically to that. And this is the problem again, if you are following this program online and you go to the gym and something happens to your body and then you can't train or you don't know how to adjust it or modify it, you get stuck and then you stop doing it. Whereas like if you work with someone that understands how to help you move through that, There's no stuckness, that there's still training. Like if my women get injured, we still train because I know how to adapt their training around that. And that's, again, it's the same with our business, with our finances, whatever relationship you want to think about. It's that the reason why you can't make progress in that is because you don't know how to to dynamically adapt in that. And so find someone that can teach you how to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I could just keep going on so
0: 100 percent, but I think this is a really nice place to kind of wrap it up as well. and I love what you were saying about the accountability thing because it's like it feels like it feels like accountability plus empowerment is like the leadership bit. like you're you're not just creating dependent if you accountability without that empowerment, you can be creating that dependency and you're constantly someone's just leaning on you the entire time to be motivated and just I just want to outsource my own drive to somebody else. That's different. But to be led by somebody who's empowering you with the knowledge, empowering you with the systems, empowering you with the understanding, empowering you with the ability to find answers within yourself, that's going to set you up long after people stop working with yourself, people stop working with me because they're going to have those, the ability to find those answers within themselves. And I think that Mm -hmm. that is something that a coach can give you, even though it's a bit of a paradox, you're going outside of yourself to find that information, quote unquote, you're still going to leave that process if it's a good coach, I believe you're going to leave that process with the ability to take yourself forwards. That might be after 10 years, that might be after six months. I don't know, but Mm -hmm. that is the power of coaching. And I think that's a really beautiful place to not, this is a segue, but I just, this has been an amazing podcast and if people want to go and find out more about what you do, how can they do that? Where should they go to find you?
1: Yeah, so I run a school called Warrior School. It's an online coaching program for women. Uh, and I teach them how to redefine how to live and train through training and coaching. So they're all on individualized training programs. We all do individualized coaching work, but then there's a group component. So we do live coaching calls um, and teaching calls, all on this stuff that we spoke about today. Uh, we're just redefining how we live and train as women uh, against, you know, against the culture, basically. So uh, it's, I asked for a minimum nine month time investment, Michael, and I'm actually going to go to 12 next year. Nice. Because I believe it takes at least that amount of time to build this strong foundation, to break down old, you know, beliefs, to, to look at mindset work, to, to get a consistent, basically it's to get a consistent training practice like that. You know, my women are so blown away when they have consistently trained for a year. They've never done that in their life. Like have a think, you know, for people listening, have you consistently trained for a year in your life, like shown up, and a lot of us can't say yes. And so that is the number one goal when they come in. We are going to get you a consistent training practice and you're going to do that for at least a year. And so that's why I ask for that time investment. Where can you find me on Instagram? That's where I sit, play, teach, educate, show up the most. Uh, I also have a podcast, the Warrior School podcast. She's been going for a couple of years now everything we spoke about today, I speak about on the podcast. Um, and yeah, my new website's just about finished. So, but that will, you can just find that on on the gram.
0: Nice. Awesome. Amy, this has been sick. I've really, really enjoyed not only like listening to you and learning from you, but also just hearing your, a really refreshing approach. Uh, and I think that you've cleared up so many like misconceptions and myths and just created a lot of clarity in a space where there's a lot of noise. So thanks so much for coming on. This has been really fun chatting.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's, um, it's a pleasure. And thank you for the important work that you do. It's very important that we have amazing coaches and leaders and teachers in the space, teaching people how to build proper foundations. Uh, and so thank you for, yeah, for your work and, it was so much fun. I had such a great time.
0: Go. Boom. That is a wrap, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into the episode. And if you've made it this far, then I know you've got a ton of awesome information out of this one. And if you want to go and find out more about what Amy does, what she does with Warrior School, then you can go and check her out on Instagram at bowe That's A-M-Y-K-A-T-E-B-O-W-E. And you can see I ton of her own personal training that she does for herself as well as more about what she does before at school. And as always, guys, if you are sick and tired of the same old workouts that you're doing in the gym and you want to learn how to build cool bodyweight strength skills that are going to get you more muscle, more strength, and more mobility, then you can go and check out my skill-based strength coaching program that you can do from anywhere in the world. One-to-one custom programming for 12-week blocks. You can find that at whitebelt.com, W H Y T B-E-L-T.com slash train you can check out everything i have to offer over there much love guys and i'll see you in the next episode